Such a catchy little jingle. <laughs> watching all of us down at the bottom, just kind of bopping pre-show every, every time. It's the best. Anyways, welcome to Casa Live, everyone. We see you all in chat. Hey, hello. How are all of you out there? Hope you're doing well. Thanks for joining us today on this lovely Saturday. It is Saturday, right? I hope so. Man, I yep. can't. It's another day that ends in Y at this point for me. I'm like, is it what year is it? Is this 2019 still? Oh, if only we could go back to 2019. I don't want to go back to 2019. <laughs> Anyways, let's uh, how about, how about some hey, how are yous? How about we start this show out? Kristen, hey, how are you? Good, good. It's been a pretty busy week and lots of stuff happening this week with uh, advocacy, that's for sure. I've been pretty, on Twitter, yeah. <laughs> crazy on Twitter. Um, but uh, otherwise, everything's good on the home front and uh, everybody's healthy. And that's pretty much all I can ask for at this point. You and know? you said some really nice things to your internet. Oh yeah, I was yelling at my ether. Schmoozing the internet. Uh, <laughs> I'm just hoping I don't keep buffering today. I don't know what else to do. <laughs> Well, that's okay. If Kristen starts to freeze, me and Alex will just freeze with you. So, you're not alone. <laughs> so we'll just, I don't get we'll alone. Just, yeah, we'll just pause. That way you're not alone in it. Alex, hey, how are you? Hey, um, I'm ready for Sunday. <laughs> that's, yeah? Yeah. I, What's Sunday? What's tomorrow? Uh, not today. Not, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> I feel that. Yeah. No, it's been the it's been the it's been an interesting, exhausting week. I can only imagine what uh, folks in the industry are going through. Um, but as much as I can possibly empathize, I'm trying. And um, and yeah, this is just a never-ending parade of bad news. And um, yeah, but I did uh, I did catch the the Jewel movie from the New York Times last night. That I haven't was, seen it yet. That was interesting. In a that's, any non-worthy kind commentary of commentary on it. No, no, I I have more to say. Maybe maybe oh, we'll okay. get into that later. Oh, I, we'll I don't know. For later. Okay, for now, yeah. just interesting. Well, if you want, if you want Alex's uh, initial synopsis, Kassad tweeted his uh, Twitter thread on it. Yeah, <laughs> so. I haven't read the Twitter thread yet either. See, I, I'm I, way I, behind I'm, you guys. I'm just. But way you were working today, so on every working fool. Yeah, I'm just way behind on everything. This week has just been busy, go. It's like work, dad mode, sleep, work, dad mode, sleep. And that's, that's it. That's my whole week. So I'm also really excited for tomorrow when I basically I'm just going to do nothing. I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to mow my lawn and then I'm just going to achieve nothing. <laughs> and I'm just so excited to do that's Nothing. always my goal on Sundays too. That's my one day off a week. Yeah, it seems day like. of <laughs> Although tomorrow I'm not I get much to help of a my husband clean person. out the garage. So. <laughs> so for me, it's not necessarily the Lord's Day, but I fully believe in Sunday being the day of rest. That is, that is something I take very seriously. I'm very tempted on most Sundays to just turn my phone off too. I'm like, I just want to just, you know, <laughs> don't even call me. Just let me put my feet up. We need to have an unplugged day, I think. Yeah. I try. I do. I, I unintentionally take unplugged days. 
That's the thing. Like, <laughs> I just get busy doing other things that I unplug from social media and things like that unintentionally. But yeah, that's just been my week. That's my hey, how are you? Is 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 just busy. It's it's that time of year right now for uh, like my company and, and everything that we do where we're trying to to push through the tail end of all the summer stuff before we get into like fall time and clean up and prepping for winter and things like that. So it's just like, go. <laughs> yeah, which is, it's just fun. Anyways, that's it for Hey, How Are Yous. Uh, are you, are you prepped, Alex? Are you the ready? Let's get into it. All right, let's do the thing. All right, Alex, what do you got for us this week? What is the need to know? What is hot happening? What is going on? Well, um, we put out a small call to action this week um, for a uh, federal excise tax on vapor and other smoke-free tobacco and nicotine products. Um, this is something that's been batted around for, I guess, a couple of years now, maybe maybe three or four years. Um, and uh, it's this idea that we should uh, raise all tobacco taxes up to the level of uh, what we or what the federal government imposes on cigarettes. And um, in case people haven't seen this yet, um, you can do what I did. Just go to the go to the CASA page, get involved nationally, and uh, it'll take you right there to this uh, this page. Um and Link so, is in the chat. Yeah, um, just a little bit of uh, background about this. First of all, we all found out about this uh, getting kind of advanced through um, the Wall Street Journal. Um, I think it was I think it was just the Wall Street Journal. I don't know. I'm sure other people picked up afterwards. But uh, the committee, instead of like posting anything or going through the sort of proper channels of notifying the public that they're about to get raked over the coals, um, someone on the committee or a staffer or who knows, uh, released the details to a newspaper. And so that's how we found out this was getting some attention. Um, and uh, we got a breakdown of the taxes in here. Um, just to scare the pants off everybody. Essentially what they're doing is doubling the federal excise tax on cigarettes from a dollar one, dollar one cent to two dollars and two cents, and then raising everything up to to meet that in how whatever like accounting magic they've used to come up with equivalency here. Um, and so this would add, well, we have a chart here. I'm not going to go through all of the the prices. Um, but uh, for, for the DIYers out there, if you wanted to get that liter of 100 milligram nicotine liquid to further dilute into your delicious juices, um, that's going to cost you about $5,500 in tax. Um, and then as someone else had pointed out, I mean, when you get into the 30 mil territory here, you know, 12 milligrams, 18 milligrams, the tax is is higher than the actual bottle of e-liquid. Mm -hmm. um, of course, you know, as we're seeing now, there isn't going to be any, not any tobacco derived bottled liquid on the market. Um, but uh, this bill also applies to TFN and synthetic. It's basically anything nicotine. It doesn't matter where it comes from. This tax will apply to it. Um, so again, another kind of like, if you thought that going synthetic was going to get around all of this stuff, this you've got another thing coming. So um, not going to be exempt from this tax. 
Um, also adds about a dollar fifty to two dollars to a tin of um, discrete single use unit type oral tobacco products. Um, and then I, we had some back and forth about how this would affect uh, like nicotine pouches, uh, whether or not the discrete single use pouches applies to that or if it's the synthetic nicotine, like liquid nicotine tax. Um, I'm not entirely sure, but really what you need to know, the takeaway from all of this is this tax is absolutely outrageous. It's not consistent with uh, guidance coming out of Public Health England or other experts in the tobacco control field, um, the 15 former presidents of SRNT, um, although they are suggesting that some sort of tax be applied to these uh, safer nicotine products, it shouldn't come anywhere near the tax on cigarettes. Um, so anyway, all of that to say, we've made all this easy for you. Uh, if you want to read the language for yourself, there's a link in here. Just scroll down to the page indicated. Um, we got some news coverage and, of course, the pre-written, fully editable letter that you can send to your members of Congress. Um, and we expect, I think the last I heard about this and, and uh, you know, as far as I know, um, this is likely heading to the Rules Committee. This would be the next opportunity for any language to be added or taken out. Uh, and this could happen maybe within the next couple of weeks. Um, it could happen next week. Uh, things are heating up about this reconciliation bill and people want to get, you know, this massive build back better uh, thing funded. Um, so uh, I imagine we're going to keep hearing about this. And so the more people that can participate in this, the better. We really do have to make some noise um, because politicians are pulling out all the stops uh, and funding, um, you know, some of their loftier policy ideas here. Um, and, you know, we're in the midst, midst of a crisis. So that tends to... Do you, do you want to talk about at all where we're at at this point with the call to action as far as participation or... Sure. Um, we've had about uh, a little over 9,000 people respond um, or, or send their messages, which is like it, all total, it's like 27, 28,000 emails have been sent. Um, that's not... Individ that's, you know, you're sending one to your senator or two to your senators and one to your, your house rep. Um, but still, that's uh, and that's decent, you know, for what we see in the first couple of days of something like this. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just hoping that we can kind of keep that momentum going um, and, uh, you know, getting more people to participate in this means getting potentially more people dialed into CASA and, uh, you know, signed up to get alerts from us. So this is the, the consumer army that we've been building for more than 10 years now. Uh, so um, keep them coming. This, this is not is definitely going one of those situations where uh, if you've done the call to action, first and foremost, thank you. Uh, but don't stop there. Share this everywhere. Share it all over your social media. Share it in groups you're in. Share it in uh, discords or whatever. I, I know so many people who are in all these different group things. Share this in all of those share this tell your friends tell your family send it to random phone numbers just tell <laughs> everyone that you know <laughs> just tell everyone that you know please fill out this call to action send it out and uh and share it everywhere yeah this is what casa is about you guys this is exactly what we're supposed to be doing right now so and you guys are casa not just alex who's making these things up or me who's getting out on social media it's nothing if the members don't disseminate this and get it out there and get 
you know, you're sort of like the evangelists out there getting this information out and trying to get more people to do it. So that's your job as CASA. Okay. Yeah. So um, we need we get- like door to door CASA. I'm trying to like CASA witnesses or something like that. Go door to door with this call to action. But seriously, I would not recommend anyone going door to door right now. So um, we take advantage of all the digital things that we have. Um, yeah. <clears throat> the other thing is, and I can just wrap up this legislative update really quick. Um, and, and I'm just going to show you uh, show you a picture. Um, the Denver City Council is still uh, contemplating a flavor ban. I know people might think that this is kind of not worth your time because of the FDA and all of that. But remember, synthetic nicotine uh, and also FDA may approve a flavor other than tobacco. Uh, and so uh, there's no reason to give up the fight on on pushing back against flavor bans. Uh, and uh, the uh, next opportunity that we'll see an ordinance possibly in Denver, I believe, is October 6th. I don't know if I covered that on a previous podcast, but um, the earliest I'm going to put anything out about this would be this week. Uh, and even then, I'm, I'm not quite sure because we just haven't seen a draft ordinance materialize. Um, and the two council members that held kind of, you know, their uh, webinars uh, a couple weeks ago, I, I, I don't know that it actually convinced anybody that this was a great idea. Um, so anyway, in uh, just to add to that, um, you know, it, I know that I, I'm struggling with this right now because of what's going on with FDA um, and it, it is almost as if we're sort of in a bit of a holding pattern with, um, you know, flavors and pushing back on things, but uh, it is still worthwhile. Uh, the language and the talking points may have to be adjusted and all of that, but um, uh, it's, uh, I just understand, you know, this is kind of a confusing and frightening time for a lot of people. And we're in the same boat trying to figure out, you know, how to best approach all of this stuff. So um, anyway, be on the lookout. There's still going to be local and state calls to action going forward. I'm sure we'll have just a bunch of them next year. Um, and with that said, Wait, in, there's uh, one good, there's one sort of good news or promising news one from legislative. Okay. What is it? The, <laughs> <laughs> I, like uh, I don't know. I know how to say Millie Slack. What is it? Millie. I don't know how to that Minnesota town who looks like they're not going to do a flavor ban. Okay. I totally skipped over that. So I, I, <laughs> thanks. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> it's, it is in the newsletter, but they basically, they, they, I mean, this, and this kind of goes with what you just said is that there's no, don't, don't quit because this is a, a, a town who decided not to do it. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that, you know, of course, surrounding towns weren't doing it and stuff like that. So, um, but again, it was because people spoke up and uh, you need to speak up. Don't count on other people to do it because sometimes it's just you who shows up at these things, but that can make a huge difference if they hear from the right person. So don't give up. Don't give up. Yep. yep Got to show up. Got to be heard. Nothing about us without us. <laughs> I love that. It's just like one of my favorite things. All right, then. I guess that right there is going to wrap up uh, the legislative rundown. Are you good? Are you good with that, Alex? Are you are you are you done running it down? I'm done running it down. All right. All right. Moving on. Are you guys ready? Ready. Okay.
Not take one, not take two, take three. <laughs> All right. I still, we do this every week. I don't know who goes first. Who goes first? Alex, do you want to go first? I can go first. Okay, you can go first. I like how we, we always decide this live. <laughs> we do so much like discussion pre-show about about our takes, about all these things. But the one thing we never discuss is the order. Or, or sometimes we do and I miss it. And Kristen's like, Logan, we already talked about this. What are you doing? <laughs> so um, I'll get right into this. Um, yeah, jump right into it, man. I... Uh... So I don't think this this isn't in our newsletter, right? This is about yeah. a specific company, and I, I can't avoid talking about this company. But they they've published a couple of um, articles or press release <laughs> op eds recently, uh, and the first one I think to, that's appropriate to sort of set the table here. Uh, this is from a company called BD Vapor, um, and they are. This was September fifteenth. BD Vapor pushes for synthetic nicotine ban. Uh, and so I, I just want to make sure that we've acknowledged that, that this is not necessarily something we support. But, um, you know, in talking about what industry's next steps are, we're going to see a lot of this. Uh, I know, you know, a bunch of the people who watch us regularly, uh, I'm sure, are aware of this. Um, you know, synthetic nicotine is is going to be used as a loophole for uh, companies that have received marketing denial orders. Um, and at the moment, synthetic is, is not something FDA regulates, um, but uh, there's going to be a lot of pressure on FDA from both uh, companies that receive marketing orders uh, and even some companies that are aspiring to receive marketing orders uh, that FDA either regulated as a drug or as a tobacco product um, I will say that, and I don't know if this was just sort of clumsily written or not, um, but uh, it seems as though uh, this company is advocating for, for synthetic nicotine to be regulated as a drug. Um, if, if you are a, a nicotine company and do intend to use synthetic nicotine in your products, um, I, I don't know that the drug and device pathway is going to be something you want to go through. Uh, if you think PMTA is difficult, try getting it passed as a drug. Um, a lot of people don't think that's a real good thing to do. Um, so, uh, and of course, from the consumer side, I'm, you know, we're not really all that interested in another prescription product um, or even an over-the-counter nicotine replacement therapy. Um, but it it's, would be good to have. I just don't want to see the entire market look like that. Um, so that having been said, uh, they had a really interesting post here. Uh, this is from KULR8.com, a local NBC station. Um, and the thing that I've highlighted here is uh, Patel and the BD Vapor team, based on numerous statements from FDA officials, had expected a deficiency letter from FDA, which would note areas the company would need to address to improve its PMTA. So this whole thing, and this is things that we've been hearing from manufacturers that have been receiving these MDOs, is that throughout this process, right? And for those who don't remember, maybe this is your first time hearing about vaping, um, you know, companies have had to go through this in, in phases of compliance, right? You had to register all of your products, 
uh, you had to do, or I think that that changed. There was HPHC, harmful and potentially harmful constituents testing. Um, you know, labels had to be correct. Everything had to be registered with the FDA, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so companies who were working toward going through PMTA were complying with these deadlines. Uh, and also in working up to finishing, you know, submitting a PMTA, uh, it's my understanding it was a pretty good deal of back and forth between these companies and FDA. And some of these folks got what sounded like, um, you know, I guess that you could probably call it a handshake kind of deal where, uh, you know, their understanding that, you know, there's parts of their applications that are uh, deficient or incomplete uh, simply for a matter of as a matter of not having enough time or not having the resources just yet. Uh, but getting assurances from FDA that they would, you know, as long as they're continuing with this process and, and working towards getting all of the data that FDA wants to see, that they shouldn't have any problem <laughs> forward. I don't know that FDA said, oh, yeah, we're totally going to authorize this. But um, I think that there were some suggestions that companies would have more time, a little bit more uh, opportunity to amend applications and so on. And then, of course, you know, without I, I, the industry got the rug pulled out from under them in 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 this kind of in, in under these circumstances. Uh, people went into the process believing they were going to go further and expected, as as uh, Mr. Patel and the BD Vapor team explain here, expected something like a deficiency letter. And and this has been, I think, a lot of people's reactions to things like, you know, the four and a half million products that were denied. Um, because of, you know, no environmental assessment studies. Um, other people who maybe didn't have certain, uh, certain research attached with their applications, they were denied instead of getting deficiency letters. Um, th and this is something that the, the larger, the incumbent tobacco companies, remember, Altria has already gone through this process with ICOS. Swedish Match has gone through this process with General Snus. Um, and so there is that back and forth. There are deficiency letters that go back. And the company has an opportunity to amend their application. Uh, I believe, actually, uh, I don't know if there was a, a recent thing, and, and recent for me because I've got the whole COVID time distortion thing. I don't know if this was last year or like three weeks ago, but um, you know, I think Reynolds is still adding things to their application for Camel Snooze. Hmm. So this is normal. That 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 what I just described is normal. That is, it, and it can take a long time. Uh, as a company, you obviously need to have the staying power. Um, something that others have pointed out is that, you know, as a as a as a tobacco company, your your business isn't solely coming from sales of vapor products. Unlike a, a, a dedicated vapor company, um, so they can sustain their efforts to get through market authorization by selling other products. Um, ideally, they would be selling something that's smoke-free, but we know that that's not what the marketplace is made of. Um, so uh, all of this, of course, leading to a lot of people's accurate conclusion that um, tobacco companies have an unfair advantage because they can continue selling deadly cigarettes that are funding their PMTAs for vapor products, while the rest of the industry just doesn't, they're, they're not in that product category. So um, all of that really to say um, this is a pretty good, I think, you know, this is this is essentially, you know, a company's testimonial of going through the process. They lay out the timeline here. Uh, and I think 
um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a consultant for the industry, but I, I after reading this, I, I sort of feel like telling people who are, you know, getting the shaft in this process, um, I, I would say write your own op-ed about your experience. I don't know that your local media is going to publish it. This is a story that the media seems to be willfully missing. Um, but uh, I, th- I think more stories like this are important. I think, um, you know, the broader news consuming public needs to understand that, um, you know, this isn't this isn't the way that Janet Woodcock is framing this. This isn't the way that Campaign for Tobacco Free Kids are framing it. They're telling people that your products don't meet this standard or that you didn't have enough evidence to convince the FDA that your products are appropriate, your products are appropriate for the protection of public health. Um, In reality, you can't afford this process or you don't have the time to complete the studies because of the way FDA rolled this out and also as a result of the American Academy of Pediatrics lawsuit that bumped up the deadline. Um, I think, I I don't know if we said this last week, I'll just keep repeating it till I'm blue in the face, but you know, had we seen a deadline in 2022, I think we would have seen a lot more and more robust applications getting further along in the process. Um, I, I don't think that we would have had hundreds of companies being successful, but we would have had more than maybe the top five by market share. Um, so anyway, if you are a shop owner, I'm sorry, uh, uh, you know, an e-liquid manufacturer and you're getting screwed by this, uh, I think it's really important that the public sees um, just just how the process has been sort of used against you in a way um, and uh, and that it's not fair. So anyway, that's my take on some things that weren't in the newsletter. Um, and uh, and yeah, no, that's OK. I mean, I, I, I can't put everything in the newsletter. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, and, and we decided not to do it because I, I you know, right. I, I, I don't want I'm not here to call out this company. I'm not here to promote them or anything like that. It's, it's mostly the substance of their of, right. of their op ed here. Um, and, and that's that's why it didn't make it in. So yeah, and, I'm, I'm, and, I'm just apologizing for occasionally <laughs> springing things on you that are not in the script. <laughs> but, um, didn't I read, I don't know if it was in that one or another one, that there was some requirement that the FDA didn't even tell them about until after the deadline. So, yeah, and this all gets into... Um, Which is crazy. How are you supposed to have it? And, the, and that's what, one of the things that got rejected for. So I, I, don't know. I think, I, well, uh, the, you know, my, my, the first thing that I saw is, so, you know, the standard is appropriate for the protection of public health. And how do you determine that? Well, loosely, what FDA has said is the benefit to people who smoke has to outweigh the risk to young people. Um, and I, you know, I, this isn't what, what I'm about to say isn't something that made it into the news or it was public. I was at FDLI, FDLI in, I think, 2018. Um, that's the Food, Drug, and Law Institute. And it's probably the only time I will ever attend the conference. Um, but uh, Mitch Zeller was there. And on one of the morning panels, I mean, he literally pounded his fist on the table and said, give me a number. I want to know how many kids using these products is acceptable to you. Both sides have to come up with this. And I mean, it, it, it kind of, I think people were like, oh, he's been, maybe he's been a little dramatic, but it's, I mean, for real, like there is no number out there. The FDA doesn't know. They're just kind of, I, I think they have to kind of, you know, stick their finger in the wind and see, you know, where's all the political pressure coming from? How hot is it? And, you know, what do we, 
what can we do about this? And so, uh, you know, the the really egregious thing, though, is 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 what you said is that, uh, and and just like what you know, the Patel and the BD Vapor team right here is, you know, they were sort of broadsided by this. They didn't know, and and you know, we I think he even outlines, yeah, he outlines in here that, you know, there was some final guidance issued from FDA a month after the deadline. Yeah, that was what well, I, was, I was thinking about. That's you know, crazy. How can you expect people to have a complete application if the final guidance for the application doesn't come out until a month after the deadline? I mean, even if we're not talking about standards or this and that, like there wasn't. So anyway, yeah, it seems a lot like the independent side of the industry was set up to fail. And it absolutely did not help that the lawsuit moved up the deadline. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, my first, my, my, I guess one of my my first thoughts is like when you you ask about like what is the acceptable number, what is the what is the percentage of people who smoke that we would consider like a smoke free society? Five. Is that like something doesn't World Health Organization consider it like something like five percent? Five percent. Yeah. yeah, it's it's like it's under 5%. And I don't know if I, I, I'm sure that's gotten sort of twisted into, you know, smoke free society. I don't like to deal in absolutes like that. So to me, it's sort of the end of the smoking epidemic. Right. That's the that's the end game goal, right, is under 5% of the population. Yes. So and I, 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 I think it depends on who you talk to. Yeah, <laughs> some end game goals are yeah. <laughs> right, right. End game goal for for certain groups would be zero. Yeah. Absolute zero. The 5% I think was a compromise. <laughs> but yeah, right? Like that's, uh, that, you know, how many just, kids, like, aren't we, we're under 5%. So, so we're, we well, kind of no, I, I think in actually that somebody that had posted this up on Twitter, I think we're at, we're right at about 5% of, or wait, no, is it 5% of, is it a percentage uh, of a percentage? I mean, I screw this up every time. So it's like so 20 like right at 5%, right? Of, of it, no, it's like 25, use. 25% of kids who vape are using the products daily. So then you kind of blow that up to like what the, the total youth population. And that's right about 5%. So, so we're we right like there. Three kids. It's actually 4.4. 4. <laughs> yeah, we'll something like we'll that. Be, we'll be under. So yeah, but I mean, I'm, it's, I'm serious too. Like, what is that? If if we can if we can set this kind of arbitrary standard figure for a you know smoke free society, whatever that entails, wouldn't it be reasonable enough to set some arbitrary figure other than zero for what the acceptable level of youth usage would be? But instead, yeah. we're just like, no one knows. That and if you know, even the one other, kid can be saved for fifty adults dying. That's worth it. And they've said stuff like that. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, the other wrinkle here is, of course, you know what companies were finding out was actually going to be um, was more uh, was, was the, the studies that FDA really wanted were these randomized control trials and longitudinal studies. And it has to be product specific. So it's not just about that number, 
but whether or not your product specifically will inspire young people to take up nicotine who otherwise wouldn't have. They um, clearly that, don't that know. Very specific, that, that strength, that flavor, right. that bottle, um, and that bottle size, that label yeah. and the bottle size. That specific thing has to have its own clinical trial. That's what they clearly don't know young people. They don't have to just because in general prove that. I can that tell you when I was a teenager, it didn't matter what can of beer, what color the can was, what the percentage was, what, you know what I mean? Things like, that's where I'm just like, you clearly, we, <laughs> we're, we're protected. You don't even know young people. Like, it's absurd. Yeah. Now, um, oh, I'm not so even not gonna, to, not to, I'm not like, going to say that name. With alcohol. Just, that was just kind of my... We had a sort of a question comment of have they actually proven a risk to youth? All the research I've seen based on cherry picked data. And, you know, I, I make that argument a lot because and actually I just tweeted about it earlier is that they haven't even quantified or qualified or whatever, whichever or either um, what the risk is. You know, there's no they say, well, we don't want kids addicted. Well, there's no real evidence that kids who don't smoke are being addicted in enough numbers to really make it a, a significant. I mean, I know some kids are getting hooked on just jewel and stuff like that, but they'd have to show that there's a really significant number of like daily users who, you know, are being hurt by this. And again, not just the three or four anecdote, you know, anecdotal stories because our anecdotal stories don't count. Um, and then, and then it's brain damage and that's rats. So, it's like they haven't even established what, how, how does a company show evidence against uh, risks that haven't even been proven yet, you know? And, and I, I'm with you. It's, it's I, I totally agree that it just seems to be a ridiculous standard because it's like trying to prove a negative or disprove a negative. I always get confused on that one. It's... It, it, yeah, that's frustrating. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, and we were talking about this before we came on. And and I think, you know, this is this is kind of a really this is a delicate space. And I, 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 I think, you know, we all certainly should take care in discussing this. And, and I, I I don't want to be dismissive of parents concerns. I think we I mean, we've talked about this before on this podcast, um, you know, when we talk about harm to kids, I, I, I don't think it's just, you know, it's not just brains. It's not just, you know, uh, is there lung damage or, or you know, irritation or, or whatever. But it's, you know, there is that there, there's a social element to this. There are kids who get involved with using drugs and, and they start to withdraw. Their grades start to flounder. I was one of those kids, um, you know, and uh, there, there are other things that come along with, young people and not really having a very good relationship with substance use. Um, but, you know, that having been said, you can't pin all of that on nicotine or any other drug exclusively. Um, it, it's there are usually other things going on in someone's life that lead them to use drugs and, and then go on to use them habitually or in, in a way that you might call being addicted. Um, and so I, I think you know, ultimately, I think we can all benefit from turning the temperature down on this a lot. I think when we're talking about investigating harms to children, there are a lot of ethical considerations that go into the research. So that that it's it's not I don't want to call it a barrier, but it kind of is a barrier to to more critical research in this in this in this area. Um, 
but yeah, it's, I, I think when we talk about young people in a, I, I think what's sort of happening here is the definition of harm is being broadened to include other things like failing grades or, you know, this kid is spending all of the, instead of eating, they're spending their lunch money on, on nicotine or other drugs. That's, those are things that are, I think, contributing to harm. And, and we have to consider that as well. Right. But again, like Logan said earlier, what, well, before the show is that you have to compare that to like the other things that our teens are doing, you know, I mean, I've seen some great charts that show how much they're binge drinking, you know, what kind of prescription drugs are taking all that ever kind of stuff. How does using nicotine or even being addicted to nicotine compared to becoming an alcoholic or drunk driving or even unprotected sex or yeah. whatever, you know? So, I mean, they just don't seem to, to weigh those things. And like somebody just said in the comments, you know, they're weighing the, the relatively mild side effects of being addicted to nicotine, even if you get sick or even if it gives you a headache or even if you've got a social stigma, you've got adults who are dealing with the social stigma and death, you know? So I, I want to interject because you want to have them really look at that and, 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 and compare the relative risks but you do have to walk this fine line so you don't look like a crazy person who's like, oh, who cares about teens? Or, oh, parents should just, you know, parent. You know, and that just the optics of that aren't good. And, you know, because then they just think, well, all you care about is your addiction. You know, that it's really easy to have them use that against you when you do that. So it is hard. It's, it's this hard line to walk because, but I just get angry because the FDA has not shown, they haven't really quant, you know, they haven't like defined what it is that these companies have to, it's right. just a sort of broad thing of uh, prove that our, your, our kids aren't, the other kids aren't going to use it or they're never going to use it and they're never going to be attracted to your product. And, and didn't, uh, in this article, they said that they had like studies and stuff that said that this should not be a risk for kids being attracted to products. They changed the names of all their products. And yeah, I just to add on to what you just said, actually, um, and, and to I, I don't know that anybody really needs to be. I don't know if we need to illustrate it anymore, just how dire this situation is with FDA. But um, we're, we're out of the territory where it's the, the small independent companies. There are big manufacturers who are having their applications denied. They spent millions of dollars on these things uh, and and did actually do a lot of this science and still got rejected for at least. I, I don't know if it was across the board, but I do. We have seen uh, yeah. releases about uh, flavors being rejected. So, um, yeah, I, it, it's it, like you said, there's no there's no clear standard here for there's no there's no target for companies to meet here. Yeah. And I just want to say really, really quick, our discussion pre-show, my, my point along those lines was really more to kind of piggyback off of Dr. Susie Gage, say why to drugs. You know, we, we kind of miss that point a lot when we talk about youth use, regardless of the substance, is like Alex was talking about what real underlying issues are going on. Why are young people using whatever substance they're turning to? You know, it's it's kind of regardless of substance. I mean, substance, what substance it is does matter to some degree. You know, if a person is in pain or uh, struggling with attention, things like this, um, whether young people are, are self-medicating, uh, whether it's a social thing, anxiety, depression, whatever it may be. Um, 
those are that's that should be ultimately the concern but all too often we just vilify the substance we attack we try to ban whatever that may be and we're not addressing the actual issues that are going on with our youth uh we have high suicidal teen rates right now there's so much going on for young people and young people finding reprieve in substances and then are then being again further stigmatized things are being taken from them they're being punished uh for trying to feel better or for trying to fit in or socialize or whatever that may be uh and i think a lot of times we end up doing more harm than good uh in those situations because you know we, we just we want that moral crusade of of take down the drug and and you know burn the fields and ban the thing as opposed to really having a real conversation and and trying to make some actual fundamental changes uh, in the lives of our youth. And I think that's that's the bigger hurdle because it, it, it feels like the easy way out to, to just ban the thing, right? The thing is bad, let's do that. That feels so much easier to accomplish than like, let's actually help the kids. Yeah, I mean, Rog, I, and I popped that up just before you started talking. He says, sounds almost as if we can get all teens off of Juul and nicotine, that alone would make all of our kids perfect little angels. And I know he was being tongue in cheek, but the, that's the point is they do seem to think that, and that was the blog post I was thinking of doing, is that they seem to think that everything would be fine if you just got off the nicotine because they refuse to acknowledge the benefits. We don't get any benefits, you know, maybe pleasure. I saw somebody post one guy who was trying to be on our side, but he was like, you know, well, they smoke for the pleasure. And personally, I think it's disgusting. And I was like, Ugh. but yeah, yeah. And I just, Skip wants to say a couple little things to you, like, She's glad that you brought this up. So I'll put those up as we move on to Logan. Why don't you go next? <laughs> All right. My take is going to be pretty short and sweet. I still got to pull it up here. Let me do the – I'm going to remove Alex's thing. Look at me in control over here. In the back end, nobody can see what's going on, but I'm doing things. Except my computer is going to be slow. I promise we'll get there. We'll get there, you guys. We're going to talk about stuff. Oh, did I freeze? It's okay. You'll be back. Well, I can hear. Can you guys still hear me? Yeah, I can yeah. still hear you. I just broke my computer. Oh. <laughs> Streamer has been doing weird stuff to mine too. So I think Kristen's internet has infected my internet. <laughs> oh, this is, oh, this is a virus, and it's That's spreading. Not fair. <laughs> you're back. You're back. Am I? Yeah. Yep. You're moving. Okay, well, my computer's still kind of froze. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> this is awesome right now. Okay, here we go. I think I've got it all figured out man it's just i don't know what i did but i'm never gonna do it again <laughs> all right here we go we're getting there david sweener swedish match deserves as much credit as volvo for saving lives this is a uh, an article out of snooze forumet um it's published uh just the other day here yesterday september 17th 2021 uh, i'm not going to go through this whole article but there are a few key points that i want to point out and then kind of we can have a quick little discussion about it. Uh, earlier this week, Swedish Match announced its plans to sell off its remaining cigar business. The move expected to be completed in late 2022 would make the company the world's first major smoke-free tobacco company. 
Yes, while many tobacco harm advocates applauded the move, at least one leading voice in international tobacco policy is uncertain it will silence critics of the Stockholm-based manufacturer of Swedish-style snus and nicotine pouches. Quote, I don't think the move out of combustibles will end the attacks on Swedish Match because the attacks have long been moralistic, irrational, and decidingly counterproductive, says David Sweener. Uh, he goes on down here to say it showed a clear way forward in tackling the horrendous toll from smoking, one that empowered consumers rather than using coercion to try to change behavior, one that created existential exist, existential legal threats for big tobacco if those companies continued to focus on selling lethal cigarettes. So this, this article goes on to kind of talk about Volvo and the auto industry, auto harm reduction, making vehicles safer. Um, and then comparing that to, you know, uh, tobacco harm reduction and companies like Swedish Match moving out of, or specifically Swedish Match moving out of the combustible tobacco arena. Uh, this is, again, this is in our blog post, if you want to find that, or we can, can we drop that in, in chat as well? Kristen, yep. awesome. Um, but yeah, this is this is one of those things like, is this, you know, David goes on to talk about like if this isn't going to be enough to silence critics. And and I agree. Uh, I think we we kind of all agree there that this is this is a moral crusade. This is not a scientific one. This is not you know, there's a big difference between the auto industry making safer cars. Uh, and like Alex pointed out, cars in this in our society, we've deemed necessary. They are a, a part of our daily lives. So they're applauded when we make everybody's daily life safer and better. Uh, but when you have, uh, uh, you know, tobacco, for example, um, when tobacco becomes safer, not everyone uses tobacco. We don't deem it a necessity in our lives so we can still vilify it. This is still a moral crusade and that's not quite enough. Yeah. Does anybody have any thoughts? Alex, you are a, you are a snoozer. What are your thoughts here? Um, yeah, I enjoy the snooze. I, I, I will say I, 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 agree. I, 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 I agree with uh, David Sweener's comment there that uh, this is probably not going to be enough. I will reserve my comments for our deep dive because I think that's going to get into it. So. Ooh, okay. Kristen? I saw a kind of a tie there to tie in there too. <laughs> I wonder if we're thinking the same Ooh, thing. Maybe I should have gone last. <laughs> that would have been a good segue. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Um, we saw it a lot in the early days because we use snooze a lot, not use snooze, but as an example, um, uh, my husband was using it, but it was a good barometer, a good example of, a low harm product that was pretty much proven with like 30 years of, of yeah. evidence. And Since it was the 70s still, in Sweden. yeah. And it was still banned and, and just literally no, sorry, I said literally, but there was no harms that they can find no cancer. No. I mean, there was one little pancreas study that was kind of opposed by another little pancreas study. So they kind of balance each other out to null, but they've never found any, elevated risk of any disease. And that pretty much is what you define as being safe in our society. And yet it's still banned while cigarettes are still available all across the EU. And that was one of the things that they said that you have to let us keep our snooze, otherwise we're not gonna join the EU. But but looking at that and looking at how the, the ants would still lie about it and still say, well, that causes mouth cancer and that causes pancreatic cancer and 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 that it was still banned and you know and 
people were, and that was where kind of where the first 99%, because originally we said like 99% safer than smoking because we were basing it on snooze. And because once you take the smoke away. And so, yeah, it, it it's, they're a very good example of seeing how they are treated to see that we'd still face stuff. Even we, even if we had 30 years, 30 years of, of science proving that we're safer, it, there's still going to be these people coming at us and our job's never going to be done, I think, yeah. in a way. After because, 30 years, you know, it's, it's well, we're going to need. Yeah, and they just wouldn't give it up. They're still yeah. doing it. So, yeah, it's. That, and, and, you know, Davis Wiener, he's, you read that article, you guys, and, and follow him. And he's, yeah, he knows what he's talking about. And that's one of the reasons why Casa is behind snooze as well as vaping, because it's another very, very proven low harm. And that just goes to show you that not all tobacco is equally harmful. But some people still think, well, that's tobacco. So that's still worse than vaping. No, it's not. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. My, uh, my final take is really just this right here uh this this kind of sums up a lot of things right like the attacks have long been moralistic irrational and decidingly counterproductive even if you as a a company move out of the combustible arena into vastly safer products this is not a, a scientific debate we've talked about this in our our shows in the past that we've we're past the point of of this being really a scientific debate we're we're well in the this is a moral debate this is a you know this is a moral crusade so yeah all right that's it for my take okay let me pull mine up here Kristen, hey how are you no, <laughs> <laughs> all right i am just going to pull up i just wanted to really quick pull up my the handy daddy if you saw website, beautiful website that Danielle designed for us. Um, and now my computer's going really slow. Uh, so up here you see blog, click on the blog and you're going to see all of our current and past posts, hopefully quicker than my computer's pulling it up. And that's, this is a beautiful uh, graphic. I just want to point out that Danielle designed as well. And you guys should check that out because it's, uh, it's really powerful. I, I thought it was really powerful. Um, okay, so mine, I'm talking about the, why is this going so slow? Holy cow. That's the one I want, but now I'm waiting for the tweet to come up. Uh, Georgia State School of Public Health put out this uh, tweet that got, got uh, stop, stop. Jeez Louise. That uh, got my attention. Um, because it asked, are e-cigarettes a safer alternative to traditional tobacco products? Check out the research initiative by Georgia State's School of Public Health on the harmful effects of, uh, on the harmful effects. Notice how they kind of answer their own question right there. It's like, no, they're harmful. But they didn't say whether or not they're safer. And uh, so I went in there and I checked it out. And again, this is one that they're going to be working on. They're not, act, they're not, they don't have any results yet at this point, but it was just another one of these examples. And I seem to bring these up every week and you guys are just going to start thinking I'm repeating myself, but if they would stop doing this, I wouldn't have to keep saying this. Um, again, waiting for my computer. Come on. Come on, laptop. There you go. Um, but when you read this article, it essentially just says the we have started, you know, this first sentence here, uh, they're working with Chemical Insights uh, Institute of Underwriters Laboratories 
um, have started a research initiative on the harmful effects of electronic nicotine delivery system known as vaping e-cigarettes. The research collaboration will characterize airborne particulate aerosols and volatile organic chemicals released during e-cigarette use and determine human exposure levels and toxicity for users and bystanders. And it talks about the focus on public health. You know, our findings will identify the specific particles that infiltrate the lungs. There's not one mention, of course, they talk about uh, uh, how youth use has increased, even though it's gone down in 2020. Um, and uh, talk about the perception that ends are a safer alternative to cigarettes and traditional tobacco products. However, a series of studies have proven that the pulmonary toxicity in e-cigarettes and a link to the negative impacts on their on adolescents' respiratory health. Um, so essentially the whole study is going to be see, see, well, let's nitpick every little single um, chemical that we can find. How do I go back? Um, let's, you know, let's nitpick every single little chemical that we can find in e-cigarettes. Not a single mention, unlike in the tweet of the difference, are they safer? They're not even looking to see if it's safer. So it's being misrepresented and you can really see that anti-vaping bias. They're just looking for whatever they can. I mean, that's the way it reads. Now we're gonna have to wait to see the actual study, of course, but that just, that my my spidey sense starts to tingle when I see stuff like that. And I said, this is not gonna be a good study, which is ironic because there is some good stuff coming out of Georgia State, right, Alex? I mean, that's the same school, isn't it? Yeah, different department, uh, right, right. Uh, econ professor um, Mike Pesco actually penned, uh, uh, well, worked with other folks to, to do a study directly uh, related to this tax that we have a call to action for right now. I, I don't know if I linked his research in our call to action, but uh, yeah, different, yeah and different department. So I don't want to be, I'm not dissing Georgia State or anything because I want to stay on his good side. <laughs> But the guys in the public health department need to really think what they're doing. I mean, it just frustrates me. My take on this is it just is so frustrating and it's just so blatant these days that, yes, you get oh, all these studies are showing, all these studies are showing. Well, that's all they're looking for. You know, they're not yeah. they're not trying to compare it, you know. And, and, the, and to me, that tweet was so disingenuous because they're trying to come off as being, oh, we're looking at the differences. Are they safer? You aren't answering that question because they're going to come out and say, well, they're not safer because they contain this, this and this and this. Now, we didn't compare them to cigarettes to see if they actually were safer. We're just going to say that they're not safer because they contain this, this and this. And that's what they've been doing this entire time from the day the FDA came out with the trace amounts of carcinogens that they found in those five or 10 carts that they looked at back in 2009, I think it was, or 2010, um, way back in the day when they had that come up. So, it, so my take is you need to watch these things. You need to read them. They may sound like they'd be good, but they're not. Um, always read the studies uh, and look at them closer because you just never know what they're going to go. So I'm going to be watching this one real close and uh, I'll let you know how it comes out. <laughs> And that's what right. Yeah, e-cigarettes were created, designed, innovated, marketed, well, marketed, I guess is not the right word there, but to be an alternative to smoking, not an alternative to air. Right. <clears throat> right. Although and some days I vape enough that it's basically an alternative it's to the air. air. <laughs> <laughs> it is your air. <laughs> yeah. All right. Just, I guess that's it for our takes. 
and uh, and we can we can trudge forth. Are you ready to trudge, Alex? Trudge. Kick we got it. a half hour before. All right, Alex kick it. Did that even play, or did my computer it just did. like? It did play. Computer. Okay, good. It was just my. I know end. that's what happened. I sat here and I was like, "What's happening?" Sorry, there's. Uh, I'm still blaming Kristen's internet. Infected <laughs> mine. And, uh, anyways. So, uh, yeah. Before we get into this, I will say I am out of here abruptly at six o'clock. I cannot stay a minute longer. So I'm gonna. If I disappear, it's because I gotta go. Minutes. I don't know um, how to. And and we'll try to get all of this in. So. Um, uh, Today, we're going to be talking about the Truth Initiative, everybody's favorite orange organization. Um, I don't know if that's really showing up in here um, uh, well that people can read this. You might want to pull up the actual statement. Do you need the link? No, I've got it. I've got it queued up, but I want to rely on my Twitter screed. There you go. Use it as your notes. So anyway, you've got the visual aid here. Here's the screen cap of part of what they've written. And the statement here is, of course, addressing uh, their their view of what tobacco harm reduction is. And I just want to point out that it didn't take them very long to make us all the problem. Um, and uh, that, uh, that uh, you know, what role harm reduction should play for smokers who have rejected FDA-approved cessation methods or who find those alternatives unattractive. I don't know, uh, I, I can't really speak for everyone, but most of the people I've talked to who have switched to vapor products or other smoke-free products actually did try NRT and other strategies for a while and for multiple, multiple tries, which by the way, is the best advice that the CDC can give you other than try these uh, you know, approved methods for, for quitting smoking is you can expect to try and fail upwards of a dozen times before you're actually successful. So unlike how Truth Initiative is characterizing our efforts to quit smoking, um, we have actually tried these products and didn't find them all that effective, enjoyable, um, and some of us endured side effects, which I've noted in my tweet, bleeding gum, sore jaws, and heartburn. I went through that for three years on nicotine gum uh, and just sucked it up because I couldn't smoke in my apartment, didn't want to have to go downstairs to smoke a cigarette. The beneficial side of this is that I cut down to a pack a day. Anyway, all of that to say, this first sentence pretty much sets the tone for the rest of their screed about tobacco harm reduction. Um, so did, did I, I know, Logan, you've had a lot of things going on, but I, and either of you, did you guys go through this? And, and I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I've skimmed that statement, their, their whole release, but I have not picked it apart with a fine tooth comb. So I am right. here for you, sir. I'm here for, <laughs> <laughs> I am here for this. Just right, the well, idea that we rejected them. I mean, that whole that whole tone of that. It's like trying to portray us as just being stubborn children who, you know, I'm not going to eat that. You know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> we rejected it. It's like, no, it didn't work for us. And then I think the other term I'm trying to I'm trying to find it bigger in my um yeah, and I just, I just want to say, like, oh. nicotine gum, uh, the lozenges, everything that I tried did absolute zero for me. 
uh, did nothing for for me in any any shape or form. I would make it about two minutes into a piece of gum before I just had to smoke and I would smoke with the piece of gum in. I would smoke with a lozenge in uh, because it wasn't enough. It wasn't effective. It didn't it did nothing for me. They do go on to say later on that they they recognize there are a significant number of adult smokers who have rejected current cessation therapies or who simply do not desire to quit nicotine. For that group, complete transition to the least harmful nicotine delivery alternative is a desirable and appropriate result. However, with the goal of harm reduction is not to sustain a commercial market. Well, you're going to get into that statement I yeah. think later. But the one, but that, but the, it was, and I can't find the other one. Can you read that statement to me again, what they said, the rejected one? Because I'm not finding it in the, this, this is a long document. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't have it queued up, and I'm not. I'm you know, the not. one that you just read. Oh, okay. Um, so there is a contentious and ongoing debate regarding what role the concept of harm reduction should play for smokers who have rejected FDA-approved cessation methods or who find those alternatives unattractive. Oh, it's the friggin' first sentence. Concept. They yeah, even just the very first they, even, they even take it down there. Concept of harm reduction is as yeah. if it's not a very real thing. Is this yeah, the concept harm reduction is not already a part of our society and and functioning uh, yeah, as I, we well, speak. It's just a concept. You know, the 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 thing about this is that they they do get into that a little bit, and 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 it's but they have a very specific view of. Right harm reduction. And it's, it's this sort of, you know, um, it, it's, it's supervised. It is, uh, they don't Medical go line. as far as prescription, but it is something that is very tightly monitored and they go I did on read the part where they, they know, uh, HIV and AIDS, uh, they know, uh, intravenous drug use. They actually even, and I don't want to applaud them here, but there is a mention of, uh, needle exchange programs, safe consumption sites, uh, things like that uh, in that release. But but yeah, you know, it's there's a, there's a very uh, predominant tone, condescending tone to a lot of this towards people who smoke. Yeah, I kind of tweeted about that, too. But the, the, yeah. what, the, what I was going to say about that one line is or who find them unattractive. Like we're just capriciously swiping left, you know, like <laughs> they're unattractive. No, I mean, it, this has nothing to do with the attractive. I mean, it, just their, their complete lack of understanding of what makes people who smoke and use nicotine tick. It just, ah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and, and, you know, to something that you were touching on, on Logan and, 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 you know, generally keeping with the theme of this horrible piece of writing um, is uh, this generally the idea that, that even we can't be trusted with with this stuff. Uh, and they lay out here sort of the criteria under which someone could purchase a, a vapor product. Um, so this would be in an adult only retail space. Of course, no online sales, which we're, we've pretty much gone down the path of taking care of that. Um, but the one that stuck out to me is strict IG, ID check requirements similar to those used for pseudoephedrine. Um, I, I, I had to, I, I haven't bought, <laughs> you know, as it turns out, I quit smoking and I haven't had to buy cough syrup in a long time. <laughs> so I don't know what the regulations are for buying pseudoephedrine. Um, and as it turns out, you need to show a photo, a government issue photo ID, and you need to sign a log book. Um, so you can only purchase X amount in um, yeah, X I'm, given time. 
Yeah, so they have volume of purchase limitations on here, no self-service sales, no in-store slash window promotional signage near schools, okay. Um, but yeah, it's it, you know they're making these recommendations for the verifiably safer nicotine products. Meanwhile, you can go to the gas station and buy a pack of cigarettes. You don't have to sign a log book. You don't have to worry. I mean, there are, I think, limits on how many cigarettes or cartons of cigarettes you can buy. But, you know, it's always going to be there. You can just go buy it. And, and you don't have to go through these hoops. You don't have to track down a specialty store. Just the same place that you buy your sugary beverages and gasoline, you can pick up your cigarettes. Um, so, I, I, yeah, just more, uh, you know, this is such an agenda-laden, tone-deaf statement from Truth Initiative. It's very on brand. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. So um, I guess... I don't. I don't quite know where to go with this. I, I'm not trying to get Twitter fo- Twitter followers or likes or anything, but um, you know, my, everybody go follow Alex and like <laughs> all of this stuff right now. My my very abbreviated and and spur of the moment takes on different sections of this are on my my Twitter thing. Um, so, yeah, I the other point that I, I I sort of tried to make here and the Truth Initiative is kind of talking about some numbers about how popular vaping got. And, um, you know, these are one of the truth initiative is one of the organizations that frequently brings up this statistic about how like half or more than half of people who vape are also still smoking or, um, you know, it's not that popular or something like that. Failing to mention that since, you know, 2014, 2013, even before, you know, let's just look at the entirety of tobacco control uh, as a movement, as an institution. Um, Tobacco control has been gunning for these products since at least 2009. I think actually uh, this idea that FDA should be seizing products from overseas originated more in 2008. Um, You know, it's certainly been on everybody's, at least in tobacco control, it's been on their radar for a long time. Uh, and so those are the origins of the, the scare campaigns uh, using fear to try to motivate people to stay away from these products, ultimately using fear to keep people smoking, um, but also using fear to stigmatize people and try to encourage them to whatever. Dehumanize um, people. So, yeah, dehumanizing people. Um, but, you know, these organizations are prone to mention these things like dual use and so on, but don't at the same time acknowledge the influence that they've had on people's perceptions of risks of these, of these products. Uh, and so 2014, I, I, I asked this to Twitter, uh, California Department of Public Health ran their lollipop campaign. Uh, maybe it was 2015. I don't know. It was pretty early um, whenever uh, right around the time San Francisco banned vaping indoors. Um, also, thanks to the cannabis people for throwing nicotine under the bus. Um, and Chicago, of course, did their whole vaping. Was it they, they had a vaping truth campaign or vaping lies? I can't remember. It was vaping poison. They had these horrible billboards around Chicago. I remember we, you know, a friend of ours that runs vape shops in Chicago had people coming in saying like, well, you know, I was going to quit smoking, but there's this billboard down the street that told me this is all poison. So I'm not quite sure I trust you what's going on here. Um, and uh, definitely discouraged a lot of adults from quitting smoking. Uh, and so not acknowledging that their own campaigns uh, have, have 
discourage people from trying these products and using them as a form of harm reduction. I also neglected to make a, a really good joke at the beginning, which I think it's a really good joke, but I'm probably wrong because now I've totally ruined it. Um, <laughs> no, you know, please. I need to hear it now. Now, now is the time. Now is the most opportune moment. I, I was going to say, I mean, a lot of this has to do with Truth Initiative's perception of, of us, of, of consumers, of adults. Um, this paper, we are not actually, I don't believe we are the intended audience for this. Uh, people who smoke, people even us who are on the sort of pro tobacco harm reduction side of this. Um, this is something that is, I mean, it's nine pages of text with five pages of references. Uh, you know, this is something that was um researched i don't want to say well researched but you know there's a lot of references there um and uh you you can tell when the truth initiative is talking to you regardless of your age because they use puppets and cartoons that's what's going to say this isn't something that, that we're going to see from puppets on a couch yeah no this is uh that's that's the level of intelligence they believe that we have uh and so uh, this that joke, <laughs> I think points to um, Truth Initiative's overall very paternalistic view of what tobacco harm reduction is. It needs to be tightly controlled. Uh, there are very specific circumstances under which someone can use it. Um, I think they do kind of get in here about using like NRT for young people um, and, you know, that being an option. But anyway, all that having been said, um, what I've written down here is, is Truth Initiative's thesis is uh, moving on to something that I, I think we were getting into talking about. The tobacco industry should have no part in defining the parameters of a harm reduction approach and their attempts to claim the mantle of harm reduction should be rejected by the public and policymakers. Um, now, of course, the industry is involved. Somebody has to make, market and sell these products um, but in the United States, uh, industry has been prohibited from making claims about therapy or, or health benefits or anything like that since the beginning. It's not new. They've just all this is this is the one thing that has always been under FDA's purview. Um, and so uh, our contention, of course, is that the industry actually needs to play a very significant role in this. They have the infrastructure, especially when we're talking about the incumbent cigarette companies that are going to get the first crack at the market. Um, they, uh, they need to deploy these products rapidly. They need to be featured prominently and compete head to head with sales of cigarettes. And small mom and pop vapor shop isn't going to be able to do that. So if we want to rapidly bring down the, the prevalence of smoking in our society, Tobacco companies absolutely play a role in this. In terms of messaging, they are already restricted in what they can say. They have to go through FDA in order to make modified risk statements, and I hope they are. I would like to see some, some more movement in that, in that specific space, um, but of course realizing that it is also a very daunting and expensive process in order to tell the truth about low-risk nicotine products. Um, but again, getting back to the whole tone deafness of this nonsense, um, this statement uh, ignores the lived experience of millions of people who have quit or significantly reduced their dependence on cigarettes and nicotine by using smoke-free alternatives like vapor products. Again, Truth Initiative is framing this as this you know, enduring conflict between profits and public health. This idea that a company can profit off of selling these low-risk low nicotine products as a remedy to what many correctly identify as a problem that they created 
um, is, is just unacceptable to them, uh, but ignores the fact that there's this whole, the, the whole other half of the industry was built by people who just quit smoking by vaping and using other smoke-free products. Um, and, uh, and we are actually the ones who are setting this conversation about how these are low-risk products and they are safer alternatives mm -hmm. to smoking. Um, I know I realize I've just had this static picture up on screen for a while. Sorry. Um, I didn't know if you were going anywhere. I know with it, I wasn't. So I sure. didn't want to touch it. <laughs> no, it's cool. Sorry. Um, but I, I will offer sort of a, it's not really a counterpoint here, but um, I, and, and I think this gets back into a bit of what we were talking about, the, you know, the potential harm or risks to kids. Uh, we cannot ignore the potential of high nicotine content products to sustain nicotine nicotine dependence and a variety of products in a range of nicotine strengths need to be available for people to make their own informed choices about nicotine consumption. And I will specifically talk about Juul here because we just had this ridiculous, this boring documentary from New York Times last night, <laughs> um, which I was thinking about this and it, I, I did that thing where I typed out a bunch of tweets and just didn't send it. Um, <laughs> but one of them, one of them was, you know, when we think about Juul, and it's not limited to Juul, it's all of the copycats that came later. Um, these products have one, maybe two speeds. And that speed is help people quit smoking. And in order to do that, the reason why these products are so successful is because they, they pretty much match the nicotine delivery of a cigarette. And that's important. It's very important for switch to smoking. To what? Switch to smoking. Jewel did not want to try to help people to quit, which is one reason why they don't have a step down program. They were specifically to switch alternative. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sorry, well, I, I, when you I, said I, quit, so I just me. wanted to be specific on that because that's some people are like, well, you know, why didn't they do that? So I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh. No. I, I. It. This is. This is mostly about how you know. Jewel is. It. Jewel is what it is. It's. Mm -hmm. It's people switching away from smoking. Right. And and you got to meet them at that. You know what they're accustomed to in nicotine content. And one of the things that I've been contemplating, you know, I don't know the conversations that James and Adam had with each other. Should we offer these in a range of like maybe if they had taken some cues from the independent side of the industry, we, we would see three or four different nicotine strengths. I know that once independent companies started making their own nicotine salt liquids, there was sort of a range. Um, you know, I was I was you know impressed to see 24, 25 milligram nicotine salt e-liquid, um, you know, that because we we knew we knew what we went through there were there are a lot of people out there who yes they they don't want to consume nicotine anymore but they have to have the options and here's the real kicker right the three of us know that we know that the step down option is is very valuable to a lot of people it's been valuable for us i i have certainly taken advantage of that um but the process to bring these products to market actually sort of demands that you submit applications for a limited number of products. And being able to afford, as we've talked before, all of those studies about the different nicotine strengths and different flavors and so on, millions and millions and millions of dollars. So for, I, I don't know, I, I, I guess my point in at least this section is just the same point over and over again. Truth Initiative is missing the point. There's a whole section of tobacco control that's missing the point here. 
the more that they bang away at how this all has to be done through FDA and the process is what it is and we can't change it, we can't lighten up the regulation, well, this is what you get. The product that you get is exactly what FDA described in 2016. Mm -hmm. It is a closed system, liquid <clears throat> device combination. That's the jewel. That's all the copycats that came after. And as we have seen, they are not sold in the same range of nicotine strengths that, as you pointed out, Kristen, offer people that, that step-down option. Right. So, Without coercion, <clears throat> at their own pace, with respect to their autonomy. I do want to, I could be wrong here, uh, and please anybody who does know, correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that, because here in the States, Juul does have two strengths. They have a 5% and a 3%, or at least they did. Um, and my understanding is that they they were, there were other uh, levels that stepped down further than that, but when the deeming regs dropped, they didn't pursue further I, I, I don't know that anything about that. was my understanding, and I, I could be wrong, but they they had already submitted whatever, registered with FDA, things like that, when the deeming regs happened, and then that froze the market, froze the market, super effectively froze the market. Um, and Jewel tried to essentially play nice, follow the rules, do the things that they were supposed to do. And so we didn't get the rest of the strengths from there. And I don't know how many more there were or what the rest of those. That was my understanding, though, was that that in part is due to the deeming regs that we didn't see here in yeah. the States more than the five and the three. Yeah. So I, I don't know uh, if somebody out there does know more about that. Please let me know, because I think that's really interesting, because if you know, that's kind of one of those catch 22 things where we could have seen a step down from Jewel had not FDA right not essentially barred them from doing that. So and they couldn't because that whole step down implies smoking cessation and they are not a drug. You know, they're not supposed to be a drug. They're supposed to be tobacco products. They're supposed to be something that well, could be the using. alternative for somebody who only smokes <laughs> like five cigarettes a day or something like that. Yeah, that yeah. Could be low. Yeah. I mean it's it's still it could still very well just be an alternative offered in a, a range of options. Oh, uh, that was yeah, just, I, I just wanted to throw that it. in there because that was my understanding of it. Um, yeah, as, I'm not saying you shouldn't have it, but if I was yeah. a jumpy manufacturer and worried about getting, you know, a cease and desist as being making therapeutic claims, I might just avoid because the whole argument back in the day was we are not a smoking cessation product. We are an alternative to tobacco, something that people will use instead of tobacco. And that's what harm reduction is. But what they're saying is harm reduction is not allowed unless it's almost medicinal. Like here, I, I just the, the one part that I found here was well, one of the I mean, there, there's I, we don't have time, but heck, I could go over this thing forever. But um, this one. This one line here, while the case of, because they're, they're trying to compare tobacco harm reduction with other kind of drug harm reduction. It says, while in the case of a substance use disorder, harm reduction, if focused primarily on the health and well-being of the drug user, does not ignore the impact of public health. 
this one, oh, for example, while medication-assisted therapy for substance use disorder is a sound harm reduction policy, no one advocates selling methadone as a consumer product to everyone in convenience stores nationwide. I mean, that, that's the tone I'm reading this in when I'm in my head. Instead, it's providing a medically supervised context to limit dangers of abuse and uptake by non-users. You know, the thing the truth initiative here is missing from from their spiels about harm reduction is if you were to actually uh, talk to people very deeply ingrained in drug harm reduction, safe supply and safe supply means the commercial option to go buy your drugs in a just like you go to the liquor store and you buy your bottle of booze that you know what is in that bottle of booze and you go home and you can consume it doesn't make the the use of the drug inherently safe but it means that that drug is free of unknown impurities and unknown amounts it makes that supply regulated and safer that's 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 what that safe supply argument is so they're 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 very knowingly skipping that point they talk about safe consumption they talk about needle exchange they talk about ways to make you know the illicit market safer without really revolutionizing actually making drug use safer and they they're very they know that and they they glaze pat they skip that part because that would turn their whole argument upside down so they're trying to piggyback off of decades of actual harm reduction in this uh, around the world and it's honestly really gross like it's really sick yeah and the other the other one that jumped out i mean i know we don't have a lot of time but the other yeah, one that I, jumped out on me real I, quick I, I, yeah because I, I got five minutes and, and I'm, <laughs> I'm probably going to say this thing and then i'll i'll hand it back to you guys and, and catch this on the replay um but uh since we are on this specific point that you brought up um kristen um the uh the, the choice here that Truth Initiative is presenting the world with is we either use the regulations that we have in place or it's just going to be sold in all the convenience stores. Those aren't the only two options. Right. We've seen this with cannabis. You have a, a dedicated cannabis dispensary. And I know, you know, I, we just went through this whole thing about going to an adult only store or whatever. But the, it's your options are not limited to getting your drugs administered by someone in a lab coat or it's just all you know free range drug supply everywhere next to the candy and the beverage yeah, every 7-eleven keeps their cocaine uh, like cigarettes are yeah exactly so <laughs> it's i mean that's kind of the that's the comparison they're trying to make mm. but it's it's really disingenuous here because mm. there is a different retail model that does have you know oversight and security in place where People are being ID'd, conversations about responsible use are being had, and, and people can feel confident that the products they're buying aren't going to kill them when they walk out the door. Um, so, I, I, I again, selling in C-stores is not the only retail environment, and I think Truth Initiative is being very disingenuous with this well, this scenario yeah, here. I mean, exactly. Even worse is that they should be sell, sold in convenience stores yeah. because the cigarettes that the harm reduction for are sold in convenience stores. <clears throat> and they just passed T21 federally and all these states are passing it. So you can't hold cigarettes to a lower standard and make them more available and say, well, T21, everything works for cigarettes, but it's not going to work for these products. And that was my next thing that I was going to show 
was essentially their whole section on youth use and then throwing out all the numbers and still not coming again, like we talked about earlier, where's the harm? All you can say is it's use, it's use, completely ignoring that a lot of these kids would be smoking if they weren't vaping. You know, that's where the harm reduction comes in for even the youth. Do we want them to be doing that? No. Do we want them to be smoking? No. But this head in the sand idea that they're not going to do it if you turn it into a medicine, that's that's pretending that cigarettes aren't still out there. <laughs> Actually, you just reminded me of something that I really wanted to tell somebody okay. the other day. The most absurd, one of the most absurd things I've seen in all of this is uh, some people will remember, I guess it was a few years ago, um, when the FTC and the FDA teamed up and they went after companies for uh, uh, selling their products in packaging that resembled food or beverage. Right. One of the packages was, uh, I, I think it was, I, I, I think I know it, it's like Zerp, you know? It's that the double cup. It's... Mm. It's soda mixed with diverted codeine. Mm -hmm. I just I just want people to understand the, 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 everything that I just said. <laughs> I want you all to put that together and say <laughs> and understand that the FTC sent an e-liquid company a warning letter about their product being packaged as a food or beverage. And that beverage was a party drink from the hood made with diverted prescription drugs. Yes. It was a red solo cup? This, <laughs> no, no. It's like a, well, yeah, but maybe, I don't know. I don't know, how, I don't know how people I do mean, it. There's, there's a whole scene about this drink, right? Oh, but whatever. I, and, and I'm not condemning anybody for doing it. You know, whatever, man, just be safe. But you know, it's the, that it's it's right there in front of you. At one that point, I believe you referred to it as the lean. The lean. That's it. That's it. The lean. Got that purple drink. Yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry to be interrupting and all this stuff. I just wanted to make sure I got at least some of these points in. I got to bounce. Um, thank you guys. Thank you guys, everybody, for showing up. Uh, I'll just do my wave now and say we'll <laughs> see you next week. Bye, Alex. Excellent right. job. Bye. See ya. I was just going to – the thing that I did um, when this came up, I mean, I just couldn't believe th this whole thing. And But here was my tweet on that, and essentially – do I have the right thing up now? Is my tweet up? Nope, you're still seeing the other one. Uh -huh. How do you switch it to a different window? Uh, what are you trying to do? You may want to just close that one out. Yeah, and I'm going to. Share screen again and go through uh, yep. like whatever window you are trying Oops. to share. Stop sharing. Start sharing. Um, Everybody right now. While while Kristen's trying to find her thing, everybody go follow Alex on Twitter and yeah. go like his whole thread because he told everybody that he wasn't trying to get followers. So go <laughs> do it. Just go do it. But this was the tweet that I put out on this. And if you can't read it, it says, here's Truth Initiative's statement on harm reduction that demonstrates that its leadership is just as clueless, elitist, and condescending as an intolerant Karen claiming she's a really good person, honestly, because her hairdresser is gay and her housekeeper is black. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the, the, um, I'm gonna stop this now. Um, it's like the, the yeah, the, the tone I mean, deafness. I mean, they, yeah. they just, <clears throat> they just don't get it. I mean, they, they're, they're, 
they don't understand that there's benefits from this, that, that not everybody who switches to harm reduction. And then they do this later on say, well, we appreciate the fact that there's some people who don't want to quit nicotine. <clears throat> 30% of smokers say they have no intent of ever quitting. You know, they always push I... the 70% number that 70% say they want to quit. Well, how many actually do quit every year? And then they completely ignore that 30%, which is a good, like, I mean, it's a few million people. That and that figure, right, that 70% of people who smoke say they want to quit. Say. How much of that is pressure through stigma? Right. How many people, me, I was for a long time, and, and I did at one point decide, you're like, okay, I get it. I do need to quit because I was feeling those health effects uh, rapidly and very dramatically. But for a long time, I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, I want to quit. Yeah, I should quit smoking. You know, I just said it. Because everybody, that's what people wanted to hear from you. I loved smoking. I I loved smoking. And I'm not like ashamed to admit that anymore. I don't feel that stigma anymore. But like when I when I was smoking, it was always, oh yeah, you know, I'll quit. Like I know I should quit. I'm I'm gonna quit. Don't worry, I'll quit. Because it's what it's what people want to hear from you. So that 70% figure, I've always wondered, really, like if people were honest, I know what a concept, honest. Right. How, what would that figure actually be? How many people who do smoke actually want to quit versus the number of people who uh, realize they need to quit do want to actually quit? And how many of those people are just saying it because we've we've stigmatized it, we've dehumanized them, we've told them how terrible of a human being they are for smoking, you know? And they use that. I mean, if you read that thing, that the language they use, that whole, I mean, oh, the the passive aggressiveness I felt from that first sentence, like Alex said, you know, that they're, 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 what are we're rejecting, we're rejecting the FDA stuff. I mean, they know, they know for a fact that it works for very few people. They know that. Yeah. It's got a, it's got for a them to act like we're just rejecting it. Um, and they completely, and if you look at that whole section on youth use again, like we talked about earlier, there's no consideration into why are these kids choosing to do this? You know, mm -hmm. nicotine is not immediately habit forming. You know, you have to use it a bit, quite a bit before it actually becomes habit. But why are you going, I mean, something like 60 or almost 70 might be more, but I want to say it's around 70% of people have tried smoking in their lifetime. Sure. But we never get anywhere near the numbers that those numbers for people who no, the vast majority of people who pick up a, a, you know, smoking at any time, maybe they try a few cigarettes when they're young, decide it's not for them. You get the occasional person who, you know, uh, yeah, I smoked once or twice when I went drinking with friends or whatever it may be. But the vast majority of people, like you said, never pick up a long term habit. Right. And so there's something that makes when that person tries it that they go, oh, I want to do that again. And it's not getting high. They're not getting, I mean, yeah, okay, you've got that whole little buzz There's thing. a nicotine and buzz. There's a, a of, and I think a lot of that stems from increased blood flow and heart rate and things like that that, that come from nicotine. And that's a short-term quick thing. Very short it doesn't maintain. And Very once you get, you, you know, once you get more into the cigarette, that goes away. 
the more you get used to smoking, that goes away. But honestly, I don't think a lot of that is the nicotine. I think a lot of that is the carbon monoxide that's cutting Lack off. Of it's like when people head. talk about, uh, you know, uh, when you smoke cannabis, hold your hit, it'll get you higher. No, that's actually just oxygen deprivation to right? your brain. <laughs> Uh, yeah. There is no such thing as holding your breath. It'll get you higher. That's uh, that's not a thing. It doesn't work that way. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, Logan's, absolutely. Uh, tips for the day. And um, I do want to point out really quick. I just want to clarify the whole. Uh, you know, it takes a while. Habit forming takes a while. There is no drug right. that follows the one hit and you're hooked. Propaganda BS that is out it, it's not how substances work it's not how the brain works um whether it's dependence or or uh full full addiction uh there is no drug that only takes one hit and you are you are fully addicted that that's also a a, a huge myth uh and it's and it's just a a really it's it's just not fact it's right. just not it's just not how it works. I like this comment. It says, remember the latest potato chip slogan, you can't eat just one? Well, yeah, they knew potatoes have nicotine. <laughs> I, I dare that to challenge funny. that. I bet you I can eat one latest potato <laughs> chip. Yeah, but yeah, so that whole section, you know, they just have, oh, addiction. You know, this is all bad. It's addiction. You know, and they don't even stop to look into why these kids and like, you know, you know, Skip's brought this up a lot. You brought that. I mean, we just talked about it earlier. They don't stop. They they refuse to see any benefit to nicotine. And they refuse to see that sometimes that nicotine dependency can keep people from having dependencies on worse things or doing self-harm. You know, I've sure. told the story. Yeah. My daughter's given the permission to tell the story that she was self-harming. And the nicotine, a very low three milligram vape, stop that it gave her something else to do it calmed her she she suffered from anxiety she was on medication she was getting therapy but she was still self-harming so the nicotine did give her a benefit in this case and that's a very common thing for teens you know um that's that and that's what they completely ignore it's like the, all they see is there's addiction that's bad you can't perpetuate addiction that's bad and, and it's not even addiction once you take the harm, the vast majority of the harm away, in my opinion, then you're just, you've got coffee, which Matt Myers said once, you know, yeah. if you take away all the harms. Um, it's the it's easy way out though. I mean, when, when we really get down into the kinds of things that would truly benefit our youth, we're talking about systemic problems in our society. We're talking about massive changes and a lot of times you know these groups just see that all of that is unrealistic it's unattainable it's unachievable uh so what we can do is vilify the people who do this thing make it illegal uh imprisonment whether imprisonment or death um those seem to be more attainable outcomes than actual systemic real change right yeah and you know and then they go on to say you know they, they pull out that 70 percent of current adult smokers want to quit um, and that most youth and young adult e-cigarette vapors basically uh, also say they want to quit. Um, and that's funny because I've seen a lot of people say that quitting vaping has was pretty easy once they got it down to a certain level. Actually, um, one of my favorite things is uh, is when groups like Truth, uh, they, they do these commercials and, and whatnot, or you, you see the videos and they interview teenagers 
that talk about how heavily dependent they were on these products. And then when they interview them, they're like, yeah, so I was really dependent. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't go two hours without vaping. Uh, but then I decided one day that it was terrible for me. So I quit. And then I'm like, so wait, <laughs> yeah. you just told me that you couldn't go two hours without it. But when you found out how terrible it was, you quit. You quit. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> they say, they say um, the nature of nicotine as a drug is incompatible with the unregulated approach. Okay. And here's what they, you know, here's what the whole, why is this bad? Why is this bad? In the United States, 70% of current adult smokers want to quit. Recent research shows that most youth and adult e-cigarette users surveyed also want to quit. Nicotine, however, is particularly hard to give up because it leads to physical dependence and withdrawal. So does coffee. I mean, caffeine yeah. does the same thing. It We're says talking, moral. I'm, admittedly, I am a heavy caffeine user. Uh, I use somewhere in the mix of 700 to 1,000 milligrams of caffeine a day. Uh, and when I do not have caffeine, I very... Uh, I, I definitely experience caffeine withdrawal. That is a is a very real thing. Oh yeah, um, I get headaches if I don't get my. Yeah, I, I get severe uh, headaches without caffeine. So, yeah, and it's but does my caffeine dependence, uh, you know, really inhibit my life uh, in any major way? No, uh, it actually keeps me going pretty well uh, right. to provide for my family. So there's a lot of benefit exactly. to it. I would when you're you rolling know, in I would the like mud. To maybe use less, but I'm not. I'm not in a great deal of harm using caffeine. Uh, my sleep yeah, again, schedule, I guess, could be a little bit better. Be doing. <laughs> sure, and there were worse things uh, that I was doing. I used to be a, a heavy methamphetamine and cocaine user. Um, so, yeah, I've definitely mitigated a lot of my harm, but a lot of people point to my caffeine use and be like, oh, you know, that's no good for you either. And my response so is something I'm not going to say on <laughs> on our stream usually um, um so the next the last sentence in that in that paragraph uh was moreover and here's like the this is the worst thing that they can come up to say you know what why is this ho so horrible that if it's unregulated because nicotine you know because it's you can get addicted but the next sentence is moreover young people are particularly vulnerable to nicotine addiction nearly nine out of ten adults who smoke cigarettes daily first try smoking by age 18 and 99 percent first try smoking by age 26. so what that's basically saying to the layperson who's not really tuned into the, this double speak and these weasel words is, oh, well, they tried smoking and now they're addicted. You know, it, yeah. it, 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 that's what it basically says is that, they're, no, they're not. How are they more vulnerable? Yeah, they all start at that point. But that's a very stressful time of life for kids. And they're trying a lot of stuff at that time, you know, and, and still out of. The, all the kids who did try it, most of them don't end up becoming addicted. So what does that say? Those kids went back for a reason. And the thing, the next sentence or the next paragraph is the thing that also gets me. It says the market for cigarettes has historically depended on a strategy of hooking young users and developing them into lifelong addicted users who then become heavy users and generate profits of, on volume. In fact, a significant majority of nicotine is purchased to stave off the unpleasant effects of nicotine withdrawal by users who wish they had never started in the first place. So most of you, you know, nicotine wasn't bringing you any benefits, despite the fact that they know that you see all these studies coming out linked to uh, to eating disorders, linked to ADHD, linked to autism, linked to mental health, linked to being LGBT, um, linked to and now, like, linked is not causation. 
Yeah, and then linked to um, uh, Snapchat. That's the most recent one. Uh, yeah, yeah, but but they, they have all these studies showing these links. And none you of want to know if there's any link between uh, nicotine vaping and and Snapchat? It's that's where we're purchasing it. That's what. Yeah, that's what kids are. If doing. there's a link there, it's because we have torn down the legal regulated industry and guess guess where guess where uh, our young people get from. these from yeah and that's always been the issue though that's that's mm -hmm. always been the issue for where young people attain these products it's 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 social media sales it's no age verification no id check no right. safety no anything involved but they're they're basically saying that it's that we only want the nicotine because we're just trying not to have the withdrawal symptoms. And they have all these studies that it's almost like watching cops from different jurisdictions finding murders that look weirdly the same and none of them are talking to each other to know that they've got a serial killer. You know, <laughs> they have all these studies that say, look, you know, you got all these people with these conditions and they're, they're smoking and now vaping and they never go, okay, well, maybe they're getting some benefit from it. You know, and in no, they just suddenly decided that they're just going to keep smoke. I mean, it's that they're going to make one thing more worse in their life that they have to deal with. I mean, it just it makes no sense. But the, the final thing it said was that the current U.S. experience suggests that the unregulated e-cigarette market will follow a similar trajectory with innovation, innovation, concentrating on increasing addiction, liability and product appeal. And they're essentially saying that that's what the that the the market's only going to be doing that, just just going. It, it, I, I can't find the actual sentence, but there's a sentence in there that popped out at me earlier where they said um, that essentially, now I lost my train of thought, but it was essentially that, that the market doesn't. The market just wants to sustain nicotine dependence. Well, that's, what, that's what. Thank you. Um, that the this market that the entire e-cigarette market, instead of going after people who smoke and trying to reduce their harm, decided to just go after youth and make new customers and make new victims, basically. Which makes no sense because there's far more people currently smoking <laughs> and they're a lot easier to target and they usually have more money than than teens do you know because supposedly price is going to affect teens so easily it's just well, that's why we tax everything right exactly my point so that's a horrible business proposition i mean that's the worst market to go after you know and, and it gets you in trouble and but they made it seem like that's what the entirety of the and, and granted, there were some people, but I don't think I ever really saw people going after teens. They were going after young adults to be hip and cool. And, hey, let's get them to do this instead of starting to smoke, because it is a high smoking age, if you think about it. Um, but, but the big problem was, was there were retailers who didn't have a problem who they sell to. It feels like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? When when you have an organization that fights so hard to shut down the independent vapor industry, which offers a step-down program, multiple, you know, nick levels, this whole entire process that people can go through to ultimately if they choose to quit using nicotine completely, when we shut that down, then we go Look, the only thing that's left is all this high nicotine stuff and look they just want to keep everybody dependent. Well there was an entire industry doing 
the exact opposite of that. And you shut that and vilified it down too. So yeah. And again, cigarettes are still there. Yeah. And that's a great point. They do recommend for people who are schizophrenic to not stop smoking. Yeah. I mean, to a degree, right. They, sorry, that was a comment. Everybody to stop smoking, but they don't want people to go through dramatic, um, you know, episodes and things like that as well. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, if you, you know, if you're feeling particularly masochistic, go read the article. Uh, but you know, it's just the idea that they're trying to tell people what harm reduction should be and just getting it. I don't think truth has any, uh, place, uh, even uttering the words harm reduction. I think that's, uh, it's, it's egregious and it's appalling uh, and they don't understand it. They don't understand the philosophy or the practices behind it. They don't understand the social implications of harm reduction and what it truly is, uh, because it is not just a safer product. Harm reduction is a philosophy. Uh, harm reduction is is a movement of people uh, to have safety uh, and respect and autonomy and dignity which is something that Truth Initiative, I don't think, knows very much about. So it, it, it really, it just, the, the whole truth thing uh, and, and their arguments around harm reduction, I think is is just gross. Is just, that's the only word that comes to mind. It's just, just stop. Yeah, just, and this idea that the, the market, the, the manufacturers who created the problem shouldn't be helping to solve the problem seems completely backwards to any other industry you think about you know they want cars should never have been made safer uh you know electricity should never be cleaner you know i mean it's ridiculous and this whole idea that if you take away these products oh life will be happy the kids will start doing yoga and getting their homework done and you know eating kale It, it it just completely ignores again the why you know the why people choose to use substances and they can't get their head wrapped around. I mean, I saw this on Twitter the other day. Oh, it's, you know, they like the tastes, you know, you know, I think it's disgusting, but I understand that some of you smokers like the taste. And that was a guy who was being friendly to vaping. <laughs> so they, they still don't, they're just, just not an understanding that we are finding a benefit from this. We found something that unlike the other 90% of the people who have tried smoking, didn't find anything from it. We took that first bit and went, yeah, <laughs> oh, I feel better. You know, I'm coughing my lung up, but my brain feels better, you know, yeah. and and that's still what is happening for us. So, I mean, th- this, we need to keep in mind that those problems are not going to go away. And I often see even vapors saying, well, this is only for people who smoke. This is not for teens, which is true. Nothing's for teens. That's why they do it all behind our backs. Um, They're going to do it anyway. You know, it's not intended for teens, but to say that it's only intended for people who currently smoke is not harm reduction because you have to stop the people from taking that first step. Society as a whole. Yeah, but I'm just saying that you have You're also talking about harm prevention. Right, prevention. Yeah, and that's that's going to reduce the harm. So you can't say that. And, and I understand there's a bad optics of saying you know teens should be doing this too instead of smoking. But teens should be doing this instead of smoking. You know, we don't want yeah. them to do anything. But it's just kind of along the right, line. Like of, that's that's the thing, right? Like that's the dilemma is we don't. There's no. We're not out here saying like eh, teens should vape. No, that's right. no like. Teens shouldn't smoke. 
<laughs> you know, like, right. That's there's, there's a very fine line there between people taking that as you promoting teen use and you being a very realistic person and saying, look, if a teenager is going to do one of two things, would you prefer them to do the less harmful thing or the very harmful thing if the option of them doing no thing is not available? And the, you, you know, if, exactly. if it's only A or B, there is no option C. Right. Most people will try to make string arguments around it. No, the, the real situation is there is a percentage of teenagers who are going to use these products. Would you prefer them to use very available, extremely harmful products or products that we've made very hard to get, you know, that are a fraction, uh, a very small fraction of the harm that comes from things. So it's, yeah, it's I mean, so and people that's, take that as like, you're a, you're a shill. You want to kill all the teenagers. You want to no, like <laughs> I wore my awesome dad shirt today. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, is that they're not going to address the why of why teens do this. If they're going to still hide their heads in the stand and say, well, it's just because they tried it once and now they're hooked, which is a joke. But that's what they're essentially saying. There's no in there in there. If you look at their entire narrative, if you like look at it closely, their entire narrative is these teens only got addicted because they tried it. I mean, that, that's really it. They didn't find any benefit. That, 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 that's that's the only reason that you can think of of why they actually started using it regularly was because they immediately got addicted. So if you're going to go by that track and ignore the fact that there's a reason why, then you can't. If you don't fix that why, there's going to always be uh, people lined up behind the rest of us who haven't started yet, who are going to try experimenting with stuff because of that why. And if we just say, well, no, you have to get hooked first, then we'll help you. Harm you know, reduction and, and that makes no sense because we understand that the why, the real things that would change and benefit people our society chooses not to do poverty is a really good example for why people use substances we're not going to end poverty because a we choose not to uh and regardless of your political affiliation whatever um we choose not to as a society we very well could end poverty we choose not to it's very beneficial to certain um groups and corporations things like this whatever but we choose not to so harm reduction comes in and says, okay, look, this is unattainable. This isn't going to happen, at least yet. In the meantime, or until we get to that point, we need to realize that people are going to do these things for whatever reasons they have. And we, we're just, we need to keep people alive. We need to respect their autonomy. We need to understand that these big systemic changes and things like this aren't attainable right now. Instead of throwing people under the bus and letting people die, harm reduction comes in and just tries to keep people alive, respect their autonomy, treat them with compassion and dignity, respect them as human beings and 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 acknowledge that. Yeah. And, and I Truth Initiative, I don't think, uh, understands any of that. So for them calling out and saying that tobacco companies and things like this have no place in harm reduction, I don't think Truth Initiative has any place in harm reduction. Right. You know? I mean, and, I and I totally agree. And I imagine that the people who work at truth are probably wanting to be helpful. They probably lean a little left, you know, and they probably would think, well, sex ed is a good thing and condoms are a good thing and stuff. And probably I remember back in the day, 
the kind of the right, and they still kind of argue this, but it's not as bad as it used to be. But you know, you can't give kids sex education, and you can't give them condoms, and you can't give them birth control because then they're just going to have more sex. You know, and the, this delusion that if you keep all these safer safer things from them, they're just not going to do it. Yeah, and no, that's, that's the exact same attitude that truth is taking of mm -hmm. if we just don't let teens have this, they're just not going to do it. Well, if we don't, if we get rid of it, you know. Yeah. And it, it's yeah. this, no, it this delusion, but they can't see that disconnect. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's crazy. So mm, I did see just wild. one comment. I think I'm done ranting on this. I mean, it's, I could I could go for an hour if you guys let me. But somebody made a comment that and I can't find it now. Uh, I apologize. But um, they said this is why tobacco and vaping products need to have separate categories or they need to be regulated separately. And this is kind of off topic, but um, we've addressed this in the past and I think we've written about it too. But just, just for that the sake of people kinda... who haven't seen our past yeah. shows, um, go back and watch all 500 hours of it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, ideally that would have been nice. And if you go and read our timeline, you'll see how we got here as far as being a tobacco product, because the FDA was trying to call vapor products unapproved Love drug treatments delivery. for smoking cessation. OK, and the argument and they would have been immediately banned every single product. We would not have anybody who's vaping today because of this if this is what had happened, if they had gotten their way. Now, maybe somebody might have come up, up with some kind of medical version of it, but who knows? But we would not be having these discussions on harm, tobacco harm reduction. We would not be in this position right now. So what happened was, was a company, uh, Sadara, uh, there was another one before that, they, but Sadara took it over, argued, look, we're not trying to help people quit smoking. We're trying to give them something to smoke instead. So that makes us more of like an alternative to tobacco. It's, yeah, we basically you know, had two options. This was right. either going to be a tobacco product or it was going to be a drug system. Unapproved, unapproved drug. Right. And so they said, you know, we're not we're not trying to get people to quit. We're just people who won't. Our goal, our target is people who aren't going to quit. Um, and so they won the case. But the, the judge in that case suggested he didn't rule, but he suggested to the FDA, well, you know what? This tobacco act just passed and you can deem them a tobacco product. And then you can regulate them that way, which is what the FDA. Fast forward seven years later. Ultimate, here we are today. Deeming now, drugs, yeah. a lot of people made the argument even back then when we were saying, yeah, we need to support this tobacco thing. Otherwise, these are all gone. A lot of people argued, well, we should be something else. We should be something else. You know, we're not a tobacco product. We're not a drug. We should be something else. And we said, we don't disagree with that. But one, they're not giving us that option, <laughs> you know, yeah. that they'd have to create a whole new category, which the FDA, that was their to their discretion to want to do that. And they chose not to. But even if they had, OK, one advantage that the tobacco designation gave was technically they can't ban it. They can't require it to go down to zero nicotine. They can't they can't just ban any products for no reason. They can now they're not people are calling this a ban right now. But what they're really what it really is, is they're denying applications because the product itself is technically not legal because it hasn't gotten approval. So there's a small distinction there. But even if we had gotten so imagine that the FDA who's acting like this to vaping now, imagine if they just created a whole new category for vaping and can write any rules they want anything 
it could potentially be even worse. And, and, and it probably would have been in all honesty. Yeah. So having that separate category, yeah, in ideal world where they, it's a separate category and they're not so tough on us like they are with the tobacco rules, yeah, but based on how they're acting and the pressure that things like truth and campaign for tobacco free kids and all that kind of stuff are putting onto the the FDA right now, it probably wouldn't have put us in any better situation. No, but they still were, I mean, prior to, you know, campaign for tobacco free kids really picking up the mantle against vaping and e-cigarettes, they were set up to go after nicotine gum. Yeah. You know, and things like that. Like, yeah, they opposed regardless like of what product category all of this had fallen into, it would have been the same pressure. It still would have been the same, you know, propaganda and, and everything else. So, yeah. Kristen, um, I think this is a great place to wrap it up. We're basically mm -hmm. right at the two hour mark. I saw that um, too. Yeah, so I think this is a good time to wrap it up. I think we've had a lovely discussion today. Unfortunately, we lost Alex a little while ago, yeah. but I hope that he's off doing whatever he needed to do and uh, and and staying staying safe doing it. He didn't tell anybody what he was doing. He's <laughs> like, I, I have to leave I at six, go. so that could be literally <laughs> anything. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, thank you to everybody out there. Uh, thank you to everybody still here tuned in with us. We appreciate all of you. Uh, for podcast listeners, because we did have a legislative rundown today, uh, there will be two versions available of this podcast available on SoundCloud, Apple, wherever you tune into your podcast. There will be a full version and then just a short, condensed legislative rundown, need to know kind of situation that you can tune into as well. As a reminder, Kristen, could you uh, post that uh, tax CTA for us again in chat just to make sure everybody's got it one last time? Please, if you have not done the call to action about this tax, please fill it out and please share it literally everywhere. I know I say it all the time, like send it to random phone numbers, but like if you have to, I'm not gonna, I'm not opposed. Send it out, share it all over social media, tell your friends, ask your friends and family, family members. My mom is a non-nicotine user, uh, period. She doesn't use any nicotine at all. Uh, she smoked briefly when she was younger, but she quit decades ago. I will send her our calls to action and she very happily fills them out and, and, and does them. Uh, so it doesn't have to be just your vape buddies or people within your group. Like ask your friends and family that care about you to also participate in these things uh, because the more the better. Uh, you don't have to be a cloud chasing vapor to fill out a call to action. Uh, so please share it around. Um, and I think other than just joining CASA, I hope literally everyone here, if you're tuned in right now and you are not a CASA member, for shame. No, I'm not going <laughs> to But for real, please join CASA. It's so absolutely important. free. You can get all of our, our newsletters, the calls to action, sign up for emails, all the stuff. And if you have not yet submitted your testimony uh, to how you quit smoking, what safer alternatives you may have used or may not have used, uh, please submit those testimonies to CASA. We have what? 13,000 ish somewhere around there somewhere yeah. in that 13,000 number but we need millions literally yeah. millions so please submit your testimonies Kristen do you have any final thoughts for everybody today yeah um join your CASA Facebook group yes. uh, make sure I always you forget the Facebook group and my little uh, spiel yeah, every state has a Facebook group and DC and Puerto Rico so please join it uh, that's where I will post stuff that's going on locally, and we also post other things here. We've got a hardworking moderation team that volunteers that just keep up on this stuff as best they can, and um, definitely do the call to action. 
and definitely join. I mean, it's so important. People say, well, why isn't Kassad doing this or why isn't Kassad doing that? We need the numbers. You know, we really, our influence is stronger being able to say, hey, we've got a million members. Right now we can say we've got a quarter million members. Um, a million would be much better. That that gives us some some street cred, for lack of a better yeah. word, some influence. And then it gives us more people to be doing these calls to action. Um, and so that's that's what we need. But just always remember that you are CASA. You know, yeah. Alex and I are employees. There's just two of us. The board is volunteer. They do a lot, a lot of work, you know, Here's Logan on his day off doing this with us. No, I work today. <laughs> well, you know, okay. you know, Danielle doing the website and all that other yep. kind of stuff. That's just the admin. We're just like the admins. You guys are Casa. Yeah. What the, our whole work is is to give a voice to vapors, and you guys are the vapors. So use that voice and use these tools. Get other people to join. Have them add their voice because the more voices we have, if we had, we've got. What do you say? Nine thousand people have sent to um, yeah the, the call to action. That should be twenty five thousand. You know, if we're going to really make an impact, so share that thing. Get people yeah, to get join. It put it on your Facebook. Put it on your Twitter. Every single Facebook group with mods and juice and all that kind of stuff. We need. We're not effective unless we have you guys out there doing what you need to do too, because you are Kasa. And thank you so much for coming and listening to us to rant every week. And I hope you learn a little bit of stuff and um, we'll see you next week. Yeah, that'll do it. Uh, stay safe out there, everybody. Same time, same place next Saturday, 1.30 over on the West Coast, 4.30 over on the Best Coast, Danielle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, and that's going to do Me it in the middle. Us. Yeah, I, I can't do time zones anywhere else. I don't know. Arizona never changes, I guess. I can't figure Arizona out. I've got a few friends out there. I never know what time it is. I'm just like, is the sun up or is the sun down? That's all I need to know. Uh, other than that, everybody, stay safe. We will hopefully see you next week. And please, please, please do not forget to do that call to action. Go do it right now if you haven't done it or go do it again. The second this ends, go do it. Do the call to action. Do it. See you next right. week.